We're going to get all of our competitors on screen to battle against one another where they each are given two minutes to be able to rant the topic at hand, putting forth their best points, the pros, the cons, when it comes to the PR7s, what they think about it, will it work, is it a concept that will be adopted by the sports fans across North America in particular, here in the U.S., where it will begin on October 9th at AutoZone Park in Memphis, Tennessee, that's around about a 10,000-seater stadium. And we spoke to Mike Tolkien, recently appointed the GM for this new franchise or this new organization, I should say. The measurement of success, we asked, would be to sell out the stadium and to make sure they bring that familiar favorite fan experience that has made Seven so successful across the world to the stadium at AutoZone Park in Memphis, Tennessee, come October 9th. Gentlemen, you know the rules, you know how it goes, but before we dive into that, I need to remind you that what we do is brought to you with the help of some very special partners, Rugby Coffee, you know them, you love them by now, and if you don't, you really should, because these are the guys who live, eat, and breathe rugby. It's a way of life, not just a game, and uh, this is their new North American blend that has recently been released, but I believe they've also just released a, uh, a... special blend just for the Toronto Arrows, uh, a, a new roast that's just been created for them. I know uh, Scott had some thoughts about that. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I was going to say, you know, Toronto Arrows roasted like they were in the Eastern Conference in 2021. Uh, but let's be honest, it was, it was six. Let's be honest, it was a six. Hopefully Doug for- Wilkie's up in the great up north and takes this week off. Shout, shout out to Loki out of, out of Ottawa. Hopefully he won't jump off a bridge or something. But no, in all seriousness, Toronto had a great season with all the, the trials and tribulations they had to go through, and I just like to do a little sports humor. Right. But more specifically, uh, they've now partnered together, Toronto Arrows and Rugby Coffee. Um, this is good for two reasons. One, you get something that's branded with a team that you enjoy for all our Canadian rugby fans up there in Toronto. Grab it online, rugbycoffee.com. Go and check them out. You'll get your own specific branding for your team when you indicate that's the one that you want. Um, but overall, anytime you enjoy one of their blends, 10% of their yearly, listen to this, 10% of their yearly proceeds is going back to rugby youth programs in both Canada and the U.S., Uh, What better reason do you need to be able to enjoy a cup of coffee? And again, check them out, rugbycoffee.com. Really great partners that allow us to be able to continue growing rugby. Yes, Rob. I can think of another reason to enjoy rugby coffee, and that would be the rugby championship this last weekend. That's what I did. I got up in the morning. I brewed myself a a big craft of uh, Jouet Jouet, and I sat back and thoroughly enjoyed All Blacks putting one on over the Wallabies. So that's how I enjoyed my coffee. And I look forward to doing the same in the upcoming weeks with the stellar event that's uh, uh, being featured in, in the fall here. Excellent. Yeah, exactly. Start your rugby day with rugby coffee, right? You bet. Gentlemen, once again, we bring our attention to the matter at hand. Premier Rugby Sevens recently been announced as the newest professional league coming to rugby in the United States. The host being Tennessee on the first outing on October 9th. What is the good? What is the bad? What are the challenges they may face? And ultimately, will it work? Let's hear from Scott Ferrara. Let's get hot, baby. So let's go with the good. Um, the number one thing about this event 
is the big guy is going. I'm going to be in Memphis on the ninth, <laughs> going to watch Premier Sevens. Number one come attraction, party. right? Yeah, come party with the big guy. Um, listen, I'm I'm the guy that's going to all the events. We're going to talk about the event I went to this past weekend in the next segment. But come come say hello to me if you see me. Um, the good thing about this is we already know Rugby Sevens is successful uh, for American fans, especially fans who are looking to to come over and learn about rugby. It's easier for them to absorb and accept. Um, we've already done this, you know, with the HSBC Sevens series that that you know started in Vegas. Uh, this year it was in LA, um, so we know that that atmosphere can be attained with these Sevens folks. Um, so I don't think it's something beyond the realm of of possibility. Um, I do think that some of the the not negative. But just, you know, again, we're, we're in this COVID, post-COVID Delta variant thing where we're not going to be able to have some of the internationals come over like we had wanted, you know, like the great the Great Britain teams, um, the, you know, French teams, you know, so the, the, the Southern Hemisphere teams aren't going to be able to go. But honestly, on one hand, it's, you know, it's kind of stinks. But on the other hand, we're going to get to see a lot of American players. And the other thing is they're, we're still working on to see if we can get the Canadian players down. Uh, you know, past the cross the border again now with this Delta variant strain. So I think those are the biggest issues they're running into. But I do think this is going to be a, a successful event. I do think it's going to have that atmosphere they want. And to be quite honest, I've already seen people who've bought tickets when they came out. People bought them that day, and not that I was surprised about it, but the amount of people I saw speaking about it on social media surprised me. And let's be honest, you have Alona Meyer, Cody Melfi going viral for Olympic sevens. It's pushing these fans to now go, hey, what's going on with with Rugby Sevens? And, you know, obviously Premier Sevens is, is the next big Rugby Sevens event in the United States. Um, and I'm going to be there. So come to you with the big guy. Okay, I just want okay, everybody to take note that Scott finished under two minutes and with six seconds to spare. <laughs> what is it? Overtime at the start of his rant, too. I was impressed. Well, with Ty. Woke up today and chose violence apparently because he's just coming at me straight off the bat. I don't like this. Yeah, you can take the heat because it's always hot down there, right? <laughs> a couple drops of the can I boost in his in his uh, under his tongue. Right, right. Yeah, no, exactly. That's why he's got a little extra pep in his step. Yeah, oh, he's juicing for this now, guys. <laughs> All right, so let's, uh, let's some interesting points. Let's break it down and rewind a little bit. Uh, the Olympics. You mentioned some notable names there: Cody Malfoy, uh, Ilana Mer. These are are, are, are players uh, who are the right generation to be able to carry it forward for the next few years. They're already they got such a great social media presence. They're a great ambassador for the sport. Now, while I know uh, uh, Ilona is 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 involved already, I recognize as such. Perhaps we might also see somebody like Cody join them very shortly. But right now, there are 10 athletes that are already signed up who participated in uh, USA Rugby at the Olympics. So, yes, is the quality there? Absolutely. But it's a, not everybody's been announced just yet. There's still a lot of details to be revealed about those teams and the makeup of those teams. So I can see Scott is wanting to jump in on another point here. This but is, his time I'm, is up. Do we give him an opportunity? You got to give me my chance. I'm going to shoot my over time now. Fans. Over time? Make, get, make sure that Nia Tapper and me get a picture that weekend, please. Get her on social media. Tell her the big tell her the big guy wants a picture on Saturday with her. Love Nia Tapper. She's one of my favorite American rugby players. So social media, I need your help. 
<laughs> okay, that's it. Let's get Scott a date with uh, Nia Tepper. Honestly, the guy might be getting jealous right about now. By the way, I'm a happily married man, but I love the way Nia Tapper. Like I, she's my Kyle Sumption of women's sevens rugby. You know, I have, <laughs> I have, I have a love affair. Crush, okay, Everybody I have a love affair with Kyle Sumption and the way he plays. And I have a love affair with her and the way she plays. So, guys, help me get a picture with Nia Tapper, please. Excellent. And again, of course, another phenomenal player who's already chosen to be included in that makeup of what will be PR7s. Let's hand it over to uh, Mike and to hear his thoughts. So take the floor, my friend. So I think this is a great idea. I personally will support it, you know, whatever chance I get. I think it's going to be, you know, it's a 50-50 success. I think the interesting thing about it is it does come in the middle of the HSBC 7s series and so you're going to be playing you're going to have some players that are going to be playing the pr sevens and then going off one weekend and then you know going off to hsbc sevens which will be interesting so you could potentially see a bunch of guys and women that are playing you know one weekend and then you see them on an international stage another the other kind of cool pro for it is we're going to be able to see the next generation of sevens players um colin isles is 31 i believe you know, the, the the men's team is aging, the women's team is aging, and we don't, you know, until they come onto the scene, you don't really know those new players that are coming up. And this is going to be a great way to see those new sevens players and hopefully they make a name for themselves and, you know, for us to support them. So in three years when the 2024 Olympics happen, we can go, oh, I've seen that person play, you know, they're great, you know, let's 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 hopefully win some medals. The, the cons are, you know, unfortunately – we didn't win a medal this year at the Olympics uh, with the, both the men and the women. So there's not that rugby fever. If we, you know, possibly, you know, we grasp something, we were medal contenders, but if we, you know, we grasp something, we might've been able to like, you know, shoehorn that in and go, Hey, you could see, you know, a metal rugby player play at, you know, the PR sevens, you know, sevens is kind of the lesser known of the, the you know, things. And not to mention, you know, HSBC sevens, it's one weekend a year per, per country. So it, while it does draw a lot of fans, you know, it's, it's, it's moving from country to country. And so you only get, you know, a, a little, you know, don't get a whole lot of time there. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens. I will support it 100% though. Yeah. And, you know, talking about the experience itself at AutoZone Park, you can experience it for as little. I think the starting price point for a ticket is as reasonable as 20 bucks going up to 95, I think is the highest ticket value where you get what they call a four top. Uh, you have a great perch to view. You get some hospitality included. So there's a price point for everybody. And I think uh, Scott was bringing this up before we started. You look at the ticket price for an international matchup like Ireland or uh, New Zealand that'll be coming up later this year. And you compare the price points if you're getting introduced to rugby, A, you want to make it as convenient as possible. You want it to be a great experience uh, and, and, of course, provide a really high-quality product of rugby. And I think that it has that makeup already with what they've established. And if they manage to execute it, it'll be an incredible platform to be able to build upon for further events. With that in mind, let's hand it over to Rob Hammerschmidt. 
Thanks, Ty. Um, so number one, I'd like to just dovetail real quick off of what uh, Mikey said, and that is, th- to me, this is exactly what our Olympic teams need, right? They need a professional environment. They play in the HSBC, but of course, something like this on a more consistent basis as this progresses forward, as, as Mike envisioned, would provide a great platform of professionalism for you know youth to grow, to get a, a professional level uh, and grow our Olympic team to make it better and perform better in the Olympics and, and of course, HBC sevens. I like the roadshow concept. So the idea of going to one city, there's no particular allegiance to a city that any team has. You can kind of pick and choose, you know, if you're a Nyer Tapper guy, like, like the big guy is, you know, you can, you can be a supporter of her team. I like my, myself, I like Danny Barrett. So I'm going to follow his team and support his team. But I like that concept, especially within sevens. It really helps market and brand names, individuals, rising stars uh, in the United States rugby. And it's one of the things that U.S. rugby needs in general. Um, one of the things that can't be overlooked that I love, the stance on equal pay and equal treatment for men and women alike. Um, we're ahead of the game now, rugby fans. Um, rugby's gotten the, been that dirty word for a long time, and now it doesn't have to be. We are ahead of what soccer is. Soccer has all kinds of problems at the national team level because they've been paying the women less than the men. But we're changing that. Um, Finally, not a problem with HSBC. Why? Because uh, Singapore sevens are the end of the month. We don't know when Paris is going to be, but I'm sure they're going to work around that. And uh, I'm going to yield my time to the chair uh, now who is uh, clearly identified that Cody uh, Malfoy is going to be playing for Slytherin (laughs) in this leg of the competition. (laughs) Let's, let's stop and rewind on one of the most crucial points in Rob's argument there equal pay. Now, ultimately, this has to be an incredible step forward for rugby and in sport in general. And what a great place to start. They're fortunate enough that they're starting from an equal footing. They're setting the right foundation, but because they're starting from zero, they can bring this in from the start. So if you're going to do it, do it right from the beginning. And I think that's what I love. And what PR7s has been fortunate enough to enjoy is many different iterations of rugby, not sevens, but different versions of rugby contests across the American landscape. We look at pro rugby, right? Now, this is one of the criticisms that that many fans might have who remember pro rugby being a centralized administration under one banner, under one leadership. Now, great. If that leadership is, is doing the right job and being successful, fantastic everything's centralized there's a harmony there's a cohesion everything's great what if it isn't so adopting the very same process and uh, management structure that once failed you'd have to be very confident that you're setting yourself a large distance between what was and setting the foundation right by appearances now, it if looks I can like jump that's in, happening right now, though, that they are setting the right foundation. I just wanted to finish that yeah. thought, but I'll hand it back to Rob. Yeah, I, I think it's important to note the fact that the, given that this year, at least, they're only doing one event, I think it's much more manageable where pro rugby ran into problems is they didn't have right. the money to pay players. And, and that's where there was a lot of angst uh, between uh, ownership and players. I don't think that's going to happen here. It's one-off event. Not a problem. They're going to start reasonably. And that's my perfect leads into my point is that they've been fortunate enough to be able to learn from some of the mistakes before them and are able, hopefully, to avoid some of the very same pitfalls that led to the failures of previous rugby contests. But in this climate, 
is it the right time to do this again still? You know, we, we, we broached the same topic with rugby 10s, world 10s, I should correct myself, for last year. Yes, we're in a slightly different scenario, but that, that, that doubt and that shadow of COVID is still relevant. So what is your thoughts here, Mike, when, when people ask, is this the right time to try and launch a new league? There's never a right time to launch a new league, especially right now. You know, you're trying something new. I think, you know, you we're going under the you know, old pro rugby banner, which I think is a smart idea because, you know, instead of, you know, six or seven teams off, you know, in different spots, you're all under one, you know, it's one, you know, grandstand, one kind of circus. So you've got everyone together. One, it's less people that you have to worry about because it's sevens compared to 15s. But I think that, you know, people are – People want to watch sports. People want to watch new sports and people want to watch, you know, new and, you know, exciting stuff. And sevens is that perfect sport for new people that kind of want to watch rugby, but don't really know what rugby is about. It's 14 minutes long, so you don't have to have a long attention span. Anyone could kind of watch it. You kind of know what's going on. You could just kind of tell people, like new people, oh, they pass the ball backwards and the fastest person wins. And that's basically it. And it, it's exciting. And I think it, it'll be perfect to invite new people in to watch rugby. Right. And I want to be able to take that point that Mike left off with and turn the attention to Scott. Talking about growing the game and grabbing people's attention, there's a lot of fans out there who continue to be able to tout the fact that Rugby Sevens is perhaps the best version of rugby to actually bring it to the U.S. public. What are your thoughts in that regard there, Scott? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think to, to turn the casual fan on, it is. And Mike, Mike took my point. I was going to try and make this point when it was my turn. Um, saying that it's e going to be easier to manage than pro rugby was thinking about all the cities that pro rugby had to deal with and all the players and all that, but he's right. But I do think you're right. I do think it's easier to digest. Obviously through the Olympics, we saw that we saw Alona Mar, we saw Cody Melfi, we saw Nia Tapper, we saw everybody, you know, um, um, doing their social media. And now you're pulling in these fans that are like, I have no idea what this is, but I'm going to watch it. But I do have to say, you know, in regards to what the hammer was talking about, about equal pay, I'm actually wearing a shirt right now, right? It's called it's rugby season. And I actually bought the shirt from the 15 foundation because USA 15s has to fundraise to go to the world cup. Think about right. that. Right. They're selling a Which shirt is next year. For those of you who are not familiar the women's with the 15s. Yeah. The women's yeah. 15s team is selling yep. a shirt to fundraise to get to the world cup. Imagine the men's team had to sell a shirt. People would light USAR on fire. So I just want to point that out. So this is great. This is the PR sevens is doing exactly what it needs to do to be a forefront in, in rugby in the United States. These women deserve yeah. Yeah. the same pay because they are just as exciting as the men and watching Olympic sevens and watching the HSBC sevens proves that. And we hope that this will set a new standard maybe not across all sports in the US, but certainly for rugby, who's in a more uh, well-positioned, more well-positioned to be able to adopt this early uh, because it doesn't have the same significant salary burdens, organizational burdens, and they're starting from zero. So a great time to be able to bring it in. But I wanted to kind of turn that point around as well and build what why my original question was, which initially was asking you, is sevens perhaps the best way to be able to introduce rugby to the casual fan? Your response was yes. But to go even further, hold on, Rob. I got this. The floor is mine. <laughs> You're Shut next. I got, the I got the talking stick. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. I got to finish my point. But I like that because uh, Scott 
made me think that perhaps uh now you derailed me no i got it back i got it back that women's so it wasn't the question of whether sevens is the best medium to be able to grow the game in the u.s but actually the women's game is the best medium to be able to grow the sport because that has the greatest growth greatest growth potential and this might be the key that unlocks it correct I, th I think that's right so if i could uh take a moment and jump in here to address the question that you posed to uh, the big guy. And Mikey talked a little bit about this. Growing the game and the best format for gaining new and interesting people interested in the game. Um, here's the vision. To have the this traveling roadshow where it goes from city to city with all of these great players being highlighted, men and women, um, and in the build-up to it in the morning, the local teams, like what's happening in Memphis with the um, the local uh, partner, uh, Memphis Intercity Rugby Union, running a sevens tournament for youth players in the morning and then drawing that crowd in later on in the afternoon to the actual men and women's games. How great of a festival atmosphere will that be? And how great would that be to growing the game if you have that uh, situation atmosphere for everybody to take part in the event. I got one better, Rob. I got, I'm sorry. I got one better. Don't even make it the curtain raiser. Put it in between the matches. It's only seven minutes a half. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's, that's what they had. I mean, I remember growing up as a, as a kid in South Africa where between oh, the, like the, 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 the national team matches or <laughs> between the national team matches or the super rugby games, you would bring on high school or even younger sometimes to play a sevens match in, in that halftime uh, piece. So yeah, you could certainly incorporate it, but the strength of what, what Rob is saying is the fact that you need to include the youth because that's what, again, what's going to grow sevens, well, rugby in general, but what a wonderful way to be able to encompass it as one full package, one great experience from youth rugby all the way through to the highest level of what the sport can currently offer in the U.S. and package it as one awesome sales product that will be adopted across different sectors in the U.S. where you want to grow that market as well or perhaps tap into an existing rugby market, whether it be an MLR city or whether it be a prospect city, it's definitely got the ability to draw new eyes to the sport. Well, that's gonna hop on. Hold on, I was gonna hop on the hammers. Uh, one of the big, the best draws about uh, Vegas Sevens was the fact that they had the Vegas Invitational this that same weekend. So it was Thursday, Friday, and uh, the Sevens tournament is Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So if you have you know a men's and women's tournament that's congruent that draws players and draws people from the surrounding area to go to it, and then you you know you release tickets at a discounted price to those players who are probably bringing you know their wives, their husbands, their children, all of a sudden you're filling up stands and you've created a giant rugby festival. And you could do that at every single city you go to. So you could have, you know, a Memphis specific sevens tournament. If you decide to go to LA, you do an LA tournament, you know, kind of move it around. And hopefully that draws people to go to these games and, you know, expands the sport. Right. And then, of course, the secondary benefit is the boost for the local economies where if you do have a successful event, and especially if it's, if it's over a couple of days, I mean, I just know what Cape Town looks like when the, when the, the Sevens rolls around for HSBC. It truly does encompass the entire area. And, you know, you can't even get a hotel room. You, you can't get into a restaurant. You know, 
all of these great secondary benefits that rugby markets would enjoy and cities that have become famous for their sports products would easily be able to host. You know, the so other thing is, you know, sorry, I just want to interrupt real quick because Mike was talking about like in the future, you know, comparative to the Vegas sevens, right? I mean, if we look at Sam Boyd stadium, Sam Boyd stadium's capacity is 36,000 people and they got, you know, they sold a lot of tickets to that one event. If the market is to put it in these smaller stadiums and I don't have to fly halfway across, across the country because they're going to be in Albany. I think that's more incentive for fans to go. And I'm wondering eventually do they partner with the MLR? Do they say, Hey, we're doing a, uh, the the world set. We're doing um, uh, premier sevens on Staten Island on a Saturday and Rooney's playing on a Sunday, you know, and, and you should get both tickets or there's a discount. I think if you buy many fans would love to be able to see that um, because obviously it's harmonious. It's a great advantage for both. Why wouldn't you? Right. Um, and it will have to grow, but PR sevens needs to prove itself as a workable product before then, but definitely the growth potential is there. So I wanted to touch just for a moment before we start to head out of this segment here on your final thoughts, is it going to work? Does it have the right formula? Where do you see it a couple of years down the road with that in mind? Let's go back to where it all started. Scott, your final thoughts on this round. Uh, I think this, the, the, Series in Memphis is going to work. Like I said, I think it's it's the first time a lot of people want want to be there. I'm going to be there. Um, I think eventually going into 2022, when they've now done one, they've had a couple months to digest, and they they're looking at the HSBC schedule uh, going into the new year. They can figure out how they can do this versus you know 10 series, which is trying to be a World Series, right? Um, so I think they have they they can they're setting up a good playbook in Memphis, and they can push forward, and I think it'll continue. Excellent. Mike. Yeah, I think the formula is right. Uh, I think Memphis is going to be a success. Uh, I don't think we're going to find out if it's going to be a successful idea until the third series. If they get that, you know, they get that second city off the ground in the third city, if they can continue to, you know, get that, that same amount of, you know, fans showing up to the stadium, get that same flow uh, going through, I think it'll be a success and they can carry that through. If not, it's going to be right. unfortunate. So it's all so about, we're not going to be able to tell. You don't yeah. want it to be a flash in the pan. And for those of you who are not familiar, and perhaps we hadn't properly communicated it yet in this segment, this first event, October 9th, Memphis, Tennessee at AutoZone Park is the first of what is planned to be many events where it will be a traveling uh, event, as, as many of you on screen have already pointed out. However, that will only come to be the following year. This is about proving the concept creating a profitable model that eventually could be adopted by other cities and also creating a product, a well-packaged and polished product that Fox will continue to be able to show and TSN who have been revealed as their broadcast partners for the US and Canada because ultimately not only is it about bums in seats, it's about eyes tuning in. That is the important factor there because the less we get the people to watch at home as well as those that adopt it and enjoy it at in the stadium, this will not expand to become a regular fixture. Um, and I hope I didn't steal the thunder there for Rob, but it was important to understand that is some of the critical components to success. Rob, your final thoughts. I think it's going to be a success and it has to do with it's an established establishment. And what I mean by that is, number one, 
Rugby Sevens is a well-known established product. It's been well-known and established for quite some time. All the events that you guys talked about, but particularly 2016 Rio, 2021 Tokyo. Uh, so it's an established product. It's not like Tens because Tens was, you know, kind of here and there, not all that well-known here in the United States. The second piece of establishment is the man who's at the helm, the GM, Mike Tolkien. He's a well-established individual name in the rugby community. He understands American rugby community and he's well-heeled in it. And he's trusted by many of those in the rugby community amongst those, the stars that are going to enter the league. And for those two reasons, I think it'll be successful. And the great thing is that we recently had the opportunity to be able to interview Mike Tolkien on our run, pass, or kick interview, which was this past Monday. You can go and check that out online under the handle Rugby Rant Pod, where you can continue to enjoy our content every Monday for a new Rugby Insider interview on our run, pass, or kick interviews every Monday at 8 p.m. CST. Alternatively, of course, you can continue to follow us here on the Rugby Network each and every Friday for a new Rugby debate. And gentlemen, that settles this debate for this round. So we'll be back in just a moment after a few words from one of our sponsors. We'll be back. Hey, Rugby Rant fans, it's the big guy. And, you know, we were kind of talking about it earlier. Um, but, you know, I wake up really early to go to work. Me and my wife, you know, we hit the we hit the road hard. Um, and the one thing I have to use every day is can I boost? Uh, eight droplets of this under my tongue gives me that energy to just, you know, hit the day hard, you know, work what I need to work, come home. I'm one of those good husbands. I cook for my wife. I come, I prep for the show. We do, I produce the RPK. We record the rant. Ty's laughing because he knows my wife beats me if I don't cook. Um, but with a little bit of caffeine and the CBD uh, power of Can I Boost, it really helps me go through the day. You know, there's no THC in any of the Can I brand products in all the four lines. Um, it's organic. It um, you know, helps, it helps me. It's, it's non habit forming. Um, you know, it's fully tested and that's why I like this product. You know, they back up this, they back up this product with science. Yeah. And that's probably the most important thing though, is like, it's non habit forming. It's a great alternative to medicine that, you know, can be habit forming things like that. The one that I've come to enjoy uh, the can I fresh. Now I want everybody to be able to see this. This is an oral spray. So if it's not the dropper like Scott has. This is very simple, as you would imagine. Eight shots of this one, uh, and you're good to go. Can I fresh? Just gives you a little bit more of a revitalized feeling. Uh, in the middle of the noon when you're kind of dragging, this is a good one to be able to take. And I like the Can I Sleep. It comes in the same type of aerosol spray. And I like it because uh, it helps me relax, get to sleep and stay asleep so I can get all the remedies I need to get up and get my day going in the morning. And I know that, you know, here in Illinois, um, lots of things are legal. Uh, but I know that some of those things, uh, some some folks have said they get a hangover from some of those sleep aids. Uh, but in this particular case, a can I sleep does not give me a hangover. It, it helps me get up get refreshed in the morning when you need to get to sleep when I need to. It's been a really good product for me overall. I've really enjoyed it. Right. And one of the things that they've given us the opportunity is to share with you as the viewers. Uh, it is a great way to be able to be introduced to their line at canibrands.com. Go and check out their online store 
for a limited time, we have the ability to share with you as our fans an additional 25% saving on anything that you have in your basket. So whether it be, as Scott said, the Can I Boost, or whether it be like mine is the Can I Fresh or the Can I Sleep. The other one you want to check out is the Can I Mend, which of course is being adopted by professional athletes across the nation in all sports, as you would imagine being NHL, the MLB, and of course, MLR at the Free Jacks, who have recently had a few players who've enjoyed the Can I Mend as a part of their uh, rehabilitation, and more importantly, uh, to be able to get them back on their feet as quickly as possible and out there on the field. CanIBrands.com. Go and check them yep. out using the promo code RANT25 for that additional 25% off your entire basket. Doing more than $49 in a single purchase will also get you free shipping anywhere that they ship inside the continental US. That's RANT25 at CanIBrands.com. Tighthead Brewing Company is Chicago's premier location to watch rugby and enjoy quality ales and lagers for all seasons. Located in Mundelein, Illinois, in the heart of Lake County, owner Bruce Durr and the Tighthead staff will ensure you are kept well hydrated so you don't miss a single scrum. Tighthead's tap room is like the familiar rugby clubhouse in which friends and teammates can meet, socialize, and enjoy the wide variety of brews on tap. Come to Tighthead this fall to check out some live rugby. There's both men's and women's World Cup action with the men playing in Rugby World Cup qualifiers and the women, of course, playing in their Rugby World Cup. And, of course, there is also the Rugby Championship taking place in Southern Hemisphere. Hey, Chicago, when you want rugby, Tighthead Brewing Company will satisfy your thirst. Tighthead, it's worth more than a try. And welcome back, rugby fans. Of course, this is that rugby debate show with ourselves and our guests to the test in this rugby debate show. What are we talking about in this round? Well, we're going to dive into the MLR draft, which is taking place on August 19th. It's the second time around, the first of which, of course, was in the shortened season in 2020, which was held in June, I believe, on that occasion, of course, because the season was stunted. Uh, it was a wonderful opportunity to introduce the MLR collegiate draft and the first time around it included I believe just north of about 400 draftees who declared of course only 24 of them were chosen as it was 12 teams who participated at that time in two rounds allowing 24 athletes to be given that opportunity to become professional rugby players for the first time through a collegiate draft system in the U.S. And it was an exciting event that was broadcast on the FTF network. We're suspecting that, of course, if it is true to form, that TRN will be the host of this event. How will it work this time around? It has been extended to three rounds and including, of course, the expansion teams will be included is Dallas, who had their first shot last season, Unfortunately, they were not able to compete in the, this season past, so they will get their opportunity to choose their draftees for this upcoming season. Uh, and we, of course, will be interested to be able to see if any teams will choose to be able to trade their picks, as there was a lot of that last season. But uh, we all have seen the merits of including draftees 
in MLR with names like Connor Mooneyham, you got Bronson Tellers and more that I don't want to reveal all of them because I'm pretty sure that these gentlemen are going to do it for us. So let's start this round with Rob Hammerschmidt. What are your thoughts? Why is the MLR draft so important? Well, first of all, before I take that opportunity to address that question, I want to just remind our viewers that we're actually going to be doing the covering the draft live on the 19th. Uh, we're going to have a couple of uh, pieces that we're going to bring in um, college coaches, uh, draftees from last year who are now playing in the MLR. And, and of course, we hope to also bring you some of the draftees as we did last year that are actually selected. So it should be interesting. And we're going to have uh, J.D. Stevenson, who's been um, affiliated with uh, the U.S. Eagle uh, High Performance Pathway. Um, he's going to be joining us for the duration and giving his uh, insights. So it should be a really interesting show. I'd please, you know, ask that all the folks out there watch. Hopefully that doesn't count for my two minutes because it's plugged for the whole show. Let me get into my, my rant. Um, uh, just two things that come to mind. Number one, I think it's incredibly important as a pathway, right? It's, it's a definitive pathway. Anybody can take the opportunity to register for the draft. All they had to do was go online. It was, I think, last Friday was, it would have been, you know, pretty much a week ago. Um, that was the deadline. And it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, what you do, you can register for the draft. You just have to follow the protocols and follow the rules that the MLR sets aside. And that's why I think it's important. It provides a definitive pathway for aspiring rugby talent. The second thing that's important is this, and it's a greater, you know, sports element. If you want to be a successful sport in the United States, you have to be uh, mindful of marketing 12 months a year. You can't just be a seasonal event. You've got to have things going on that keeps the attention of your fan base and draws people in throughout the year. And the draft is a critical piece to that. It's going to continue the flow from August 1 now to August 19th and beyond. Uh, and I think it's an important piece of that. And I don't care what people say. People complain, well, what's the draft? Let's do academies. Listen, it's a part of the United States sporting landscape. We need to work within that. And I think it accomplishes the task that we, we, uh, that we set aside. Let's not forget some of those names. Ty mentioned them that have been successful from last year's draft. You're going to have hit or misses every year, guys. It happens in football. Okay, trust me. The Bears quarterback situation is well aware of the misses. Okay. <laughs> But it's an important part of sports landscape in America. Right. And it has become a staple uh, for, for rugby now, setting that trend that the second time around, expectations will be higher for this event. The caliber of players is already proven to be of great quality. We expect it to even be greater quality this time around, as the athletes themselves are now taking more note of it, taking it more seriously. And of course, the coaches and universities that support these athletes are also now uh, have a much higher degree of participation than they did before another interesting point and uh, and again i forgive me if i step on somebody else's point here this might be the first time that they've actually will have proper playing time and to view these athletes ahead of time before making their picks so let's hand it over to Mike to hear his thoughts. Yeah, Rob basically stole everything I was going to say. But at this point, you know, a draft is integral to, you know, the U.S. sporting landscape. That That's the why. And so if you want to have, you know, a, a major league sport in the, in the U.S., you have to have a draft. And everyone goes, well, why not the academy? They have the academies. Well, why not both? You could you could still do both. Both, you know, every team, I believe, has both. And so – why not draft players? Why not have academies? Some guys, you know, are going to be ended up getting drafted and go into the academies anyway. It doesn't matter. I, 
I like the draft, you know, it, with the rugby showcase that they had last weekend, it was a great way to see, you know, the up and coming stars that are coming through, you know, maybe not, you know, everyone doesn't get drafted, but maybe these are, you know, other guys that you're going to be seeing, you know, go into academies. Like, you know, maybe they don't make it through those first three rounds, but they eventually get their way into a team somehow, you know, it, it's just the excitement of a draft, I think, and everything. And I, I hope to see some, you know, some draft trading picks, some movement around. I want, you know, I don't want to see some jockeying for, you know, to get better picks, to get that, that that number one spot, you know, to make this kind of an event so that, you know, we could kind of show other people that, hey, you know, rugby is kind of a big deal. It's got the same excitement as the NFL draft. We get the same stuff and, you know, it, it's fun for everybody. Right. I wanted to be able to swing back to a point that you made there that was building off Rob's original point. I need to give credit to, to Rob there. This is uh, counting for points. Um, but more to, to, to the point of what I wanted to address is you, you built on that by saying academies, people say, oh, why not academies? Why do we need the draft system? You both kind of echoed the very same point there. But I like what Mike had said is why not both? And the reason I want to be able to address that point more clearly is because collegiate program is there for athletes who are a part of a college university environment who are there to study or to be able to pursue a professional rugby career if they want that available to them. But the academy system, what about those guys who didn't go to college, who maybe graduated or, uh, uh, high school and went on to another career, went on to service, who are still great athletes, who are still going to be given the opportunity, but not through the collegiate draft, but through the academy, that's where they shine. That opens the door for both pathways that lead to the same road, which is MLR. So it was worth mentioning, point to Mike. Let's and, hand and, it over uh, to Scott. Before you do that, real quick, I mean, there's nothing wrong with guys who go to college, play in college, yeah. and then they don't get drafted, but they go into the academy and develop from there. I mean, that sure. doesn't have to be just a pathway for those guys who are who don't go to college. There's going to be a lot of guys that develop. And that's develop not exactly, yeah. I mean, it's worth mentioning. What I was saying is that there's more than one way to get there, right? 100%. Um, and, and that's what's the beauty of it is that you, the, the, and you brought this up earlier, this is creating or solidifying a pathway for college athletes to make it to the MLR. And the more paths that we forge to get to the MLR, the better off we are. 100%. Let's hand it over to Scott. So I'm still cooking, even though Rob's trying to counter ruck me and, uh, you know, <laughs> from He's the trying breakdown. to steal the ball on that one. <laughs> yeah. So I'll start, I'll start off with this. You know, we talked about rugby, by the way. That was George Killebrew, uh, hopefully going to be on soon. We're going to, again, we're going to talk about rugby tainment and what does that mean? You know, we want to make this entertaining, right? So we've talked a lot about crossover athletes. What we don't talk about enough is crossover fans. And there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people in the fan zone who poo poo football fans those are the fans that we need to get to watch rugby that's how we expand the game to get those fans and how do we do that we can take things that work in the nfl like the draft like the combine the big guy was at the showcase check out the videos check out the social media and that's how we have the rugby you know attainment part of it you know for those of you that might not know i don't think it was mentioned in this episode but obviously mentioned in past episodes last year if you even if you're not going to get drafted to declare to be a free agent you have to declare for the draft if you do not and you met the criteria of those players you can't play up until i think it's may of the following season you know so it's in your best interest just to declare 
because then you could just be signed as a free agent and then play in, in the academy systems. You know, you have plenty of players who played the academy systems this year. Uh, Connor Buckley, Connor Wallace Sims, they were contracted players for Rudy. They played academy system games to, you know, get them going and get them where they needed to be. So, I mean, I think it, the pathway to solidify from collegiate rugby to MLR is there. Um, I do think the biggest knock is world rugby's foreign player designation, you know, eligibility rules, which then go into MLR foreign player player designation. Cause I mean, let's be honest, if you played three or four years of collegiate rugby in the United States, in my mind, you should be an MLR domestic player. You know, we'll call that the, the Hammerschmidt rule. Rob had brought that up, you know, a couple months ago. And I, I wholeheartedly agree. If the kid's committed to come here to play rugby at a university or college, why not? Why hinder him? Because if I was a coach and I only have certain amount of foreign player spots, I'm looking for that X factor, right? I'm looking for that Chris Robshaw. I'm looking for that, you know, Ma'ananu. I'm not necessarily looking at some kid from, you know, Iona or Lindenwood where really I should be, you know, I should be looking at whether, regardless of whether, what their eligibility is, you know, I should want them for the team. Yeah. So that's a really good point though, because obviously the rules are flexible and they will change and they will evolve as it has. And rightly so Canada shouldn't be recognized as an international, even though it is an international, right? So obviously they can't be taking, taking up foreign player slots because it would create a flawed system right from the start. So I I like that point. And even though it's a point that originally might've been made a really long time ago by Rob, it was revisited by Scott and is relevant to this conversation. So I'll give half a point to, uh, to both of you. I completely intercepted that ball and ran for a try, Ty. That's bullshit. That's true. Okay, you'll get one point. Rob will get half a point. All right? Because it did, did originally come from him. Can, and can I have, want to remind you, you a quarter point. It only needs a win count. He feels left out. <laughs> So, so gentlemen, let's 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 dive into not only why is this important, which we've addressed. What would we like to see from this time around? And I'll throw it back to Scott and go in reverse order. This time around in 2021, what developing? How do we want to see this evolve? Evolve? You know, well, I want to I want to see teams not automatically trade their picks out to either get foreign player spots or assets. Um, you know. Uh, Robbie Povey was the first player traded for a pick in MLR history. I always like to throw that out there. Um, but, you know, you had teams like L.A. and Rooney trade out because they felt they could, you know, get a, a foreign player spot or some cash, you know, some leeway uh, in their cash situation to help them. Which for those uh, who aren't familiar is how L.A. also got some extra player foreign player slots originally. Just for those of you who are the, the ones who have taken note of how few U.S. eligible players there are. And that's another thing. Stop saying U.S. eligible players. It's North American eligible players, and that just pisses the big guy off. Because there's a uh, well, if there's a Canadian who starts on the Canadian national team, are you going to take the fifth guy on the Eagles? You're going to take the starter on the friggin' Canadian. So on the on the in rugby Canada. But anyway, that's a rant for another day. But I think I want to start seeing teams stay in the draft for purposes of drafting players. And I think teams who are successful can pull these kids and say, hey. Rooney was in the playoffs, you know, two years in a row. We're not going to count 2020 because nobody was in the playoffs. Two years in a row, they were in the semifinal. They lost heartbreakers in the semifinal. We're here to compete. Our academy system played seven matches over the season. We want you to develop in the academy system. There's obviously, you know, jobs around the New York City, New Jersey, Connecticut area that we can help you out with. So, I mean, I think we can market. A lot of these teams can market themselves to pull these kids and 
in the future need to stay in the draft. Right. I like that. You know, use the draft for the purpose of the draft. Mm-hmm. Let's hand it over to Mike. Yeah. Piggyback off of Scott, I think at least have everyone in for at least one round. You know, make sure that every single team stays in for that that first round. So at least, you know, you're starting to get some names. And then, you know, second and third round, you can start trading stuff away. But I think making sure that everyone stays in that first round, they get some names, you know, they start marketing those names. And so we know, you know, right before, you know, kickoff of that first game, you know, in you know February, March, that, you know, th- this is the new product. These are the new guys. You know, let's push that out there. Uh, but other than that, you know, I do, I do, I would like to see some trading around. I, I didn't mind it that much. Um, I think it's good. You know, it, that's what attracted some big names to come play here in the United States. And so you can't, you know, you can't dismiss that entirely. Um, but I would like to at least, yeah, say one round, everyone's in. After that, go, go ham. Right. And that might very well be possible uh, because you added the additional round. So what was two in 2020 is now three rounds. Um, so you can see that the the intent, it, I would imagine, it's more well-structured to, to support the fact that you should actually be taking players from the draft rather than using the extra slot to be able to have a trade. Um, so I hope that teams will, will take on, because the talent's there. I mean, I mentioned a few names that have obviously proven and I think squashed a few of the naysayers' opinions who said, well, are these guys rugby ready to be at a professional level? Well, names, like I said, uh, Mooneyham has certainly been a great example. Mason Koch was well uh, is another great example. Yeah. yeah. You know, you, you, I could list a few more that have proven those theories wrong, those those critics wrong. So why wouldn't you want to be able to dig into a pool that is rugby rich and is already in many cases professional level, just hasn't actually been given that accreditation because they've been in the college program, but they are in some of the best programs available, like Lindenwood, like Life, like, you know, the list can go on. Let's hand it over to Rob. Um, what do I like to see change this year? It's not going to happen. Um, so the th- things I'm going to talk about are, I, I don't believe are going to happen this year, but maybe moving forward in the future, I would like to see them happen. And one of them is it, it needs to be live. One of the things that makes the NFL draft exciting is the fact that it's live and therefore uh, not scripted. And um, the things could unfold that are unusual, that are fun when those trades great happen. Drama, some tension, There's, and it makes great exactly. entertainment value. That's, that has entertainment and marketing value and it carries a lot with your consumers. So I, I would like to see that piece in there. Um, you know, and again, if they do that, then there's actual clock. Hey, you know, you know, Rooney's on the clock, you know, then OGDC is on the clock. Um, they probably won't do that this year. You know, I'd like to see them move away from the announcing three at a time. They did that for taping purposes because they had an hour long uh, to work within um, T- uh, TSN, I believe, or the, what was it? Um, FTF, they were featured on. Yeah, so this Rob, year, I think in Fox Sports 2, by the way. Um, yeah, so so I, that's the things I'd like to see changed, and I think it would uh, create a much better entertainment value. Right. I and, think Scott wanted to be able to chime in with uh, some additional thoughts on how that might look this year. Yeah, from, from what I heard, um, there are some changes to that effect. I believe they're doing one pick at a time. Um, we are on, I believe, FS2 is what I've been told. It will be on FS2, the, the recording. And I believe I heard either maybe the top five or the top 10 guys are going to have some screen time with the commissioner. I'm not sure if that's going to be available now with, with 
the COVID situation going around, going on across the country. Um, but that's what I had heard. I had heard rumblings of that. So, you know, I just want to point that out for, to our viewers that those are some of the proposed changes that I heard going into this draft. So I hadn't actually realized that you were talking about a, a, a Fox worthy production. I assumed that TRN would be a, a, a home for it. Um, but, you know, it's the partnership has blossomed this year with Fox, as well as, of course, CBS continuing those partnerships are important. And to Rob's point is if you can create an exciting product and entertainment value attached to it with this draft, why wouldn't you want to come somewhere like Fox or CBS or another partner of that nature? So reaching that level already on the second time around, moving from FTF, which is, of course, still fan-focused and still a sports network, but pales in comparison to the broadcast value that Fox can offer, even if it is Fox Sports 2, it's still a sense of credibility that's attached to the brand and the event. So I think that that was a worthy mention there. Thank you, uh, Scott. And it has been a worthy mention here today that you, of course, as a fan, can continue to let us know what you think about our points. Maybe you agree. Maybe you disagree with all of us here. Whatever it may be, you can drop a comment down below and tell us what you think. And we'll continue to be able to share our thoughts on social media under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod, where you can continue to follow us for more great content, whether it be our live episodes of Run, Pass, or Kick every Monday night at CST you, at 8 p.m. You can find us under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod on all social media platforms. Or, of course, continue to watch us here on the Rugby Network every Friday. Gentlemen, the time has come. Who is going to be the winner of episode 63? And I crown Rob Hammerschmidt. I I stopped Scott from getting the hat trick. And I like mind, that is an Olympic gold medal worthy achievement. I like to point out Rob Hammersmith talks smack about me going asking to go over my time beforehand, and then he just immediately cuts me off when it's my turn. No, no penalty, no hand raised, no advantage given. Can I mean, you see is, the, the the tears of red Kool Aid coming out of my eyes? I, I just I'd like to I'd like to point that out that Rob just kind of stormed the field like a, a naked fan doing a, a streak. Okay, it's not like Rusty Erasmus now, man. We don't need your rant again. We're streaking on the quad. Uh, Ty, watching, watching, you know, uh, uh, reruns of, of the Lions tour because uh, the box won and, and Rob just running naked across the field. That's ridiculous. I, uh, protest. It's chaos, I say. Protest. That's what makes the show so exciting. There's no rhyme or reason. There's no pattern or theory. There's just pointless wins and losses. <laughs> That's protest. us in a nutshell. I'm going to be a water boy in my own match, all right? <laughs> Mike? As you know, it is tradition. As we head out of another great episode, we like to be able to give our guests the floor for a moment to send a shout out to anybody important, draw attention to a cause that you find important. The floor is yours, my friend. So I'll just, I'll shout out Old Breed Rugby and uh, Albany Bootleggers Rugby, the two teams I played for. Uh, You know, check them out. Check out Old Breed Rugby. It was founded as a team uh, of Marines and veterans and it, it was a, a memoriam to uh, rugby players that were lost. So we, the, you know, we go by, you know, we played with them. Now we play for them. And then Albany Bootleggers Rugby here in, you know, upstate New York in Albany, New York. Just two great teams, two great clubs doing some great things. So 
you know, check us out. I love that. Great message there. And of course, supporting club rugby, the amateur game is truly the, uh, the future. And we just need more and more and more of it across the nations. Once again, you have been enjoying another great episode of the Rugby Rant podcast show. I'd like to be able to thank you for watching and you can continue to do so as a final reminder with the help of our partners at canibrands.com. Make sure you check them out for that rant 25% off with the promo rant 25. And alternatively, make sure you enjoy your next game with a cup of rugby coffee from the boys at rugbycoffee.com. A percentage of every sale goes to building youth rugby across the US and Canada. What better reason do you need to enjoy their coffee? My name is Ty Brogger, the host for today's activities alongside Rob, the Hammer Hammerschmidt, Scott, the big guy Ferrara, and of course, Mike Perizzini, who is our guest for today. You have been a pleasure to have on board and we will again see you very shortly. And we too will see you as the fans on the next episode of the Rugby Rant podcast show. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.